the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter, with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Deuteronomy. God had prepared the Israelites for the conquest of the land promised to them, the land of Canaan. They were to be God's instrument of justice on a wicked people. But God called the nation to love Him supremely, that they should put Him first in all and worship Him in the way He had designated. They were reminded that once in the land, they must continue worshiping God in the places and ways He set up, and to keep away from foreign idols. Now we join Pastor Will as we continue to see how they were to put God first, as laid out in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Chapter 12 of Deuteronomy began a new section. Remember Moses, this is kind of his last will and testament as he is about to die. It's his last few speeches to the nation of Israel. And he is trying to teach them the importance of loving God supremely. They need to love God supremely. They need to put him first more than anything else. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Through that, he he was telling them why it was important to do that, how they do that. Well, now in chapter 12, he began the section where he addresses their obedience specifically. So how God's laws are going to apply once they're in the promised land. In that chapter, we dealt with the topic of worship. In this chapter 13, we're going to deal with false prophets and idolaters. It's kind of hard to be a false prophet when everyone's camped in the same area, right? I mean, you know, you start doing the false prophet thing and somebody's going to go tell dad. You know, somebody's going to go tell Moses because he's right around the corner. So the same would be true for anyone who might instigate idol worship. Yeah, maybe you could keep an idol in your tent and keep it hidden. But if you start telling others, hey, we should worship this God, it's going to get around. But once Israel settles down in the land, they're going to be spread out, right? So it will take a much greater effort to bring those people to justice. Moses reminds them, once you settle down and you spread out, your responsibility remains. You must love God first. So chapter 13, verse 1, we see what do we need to love God more? And the first thing we need to love God more is then all of our heroes. He says, if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder. I mean, that in of itself is a pretty amazing thing, right? Like somebody can say they're a prophet. It's funny, as, as a pastor, I meet some interesting people. Happens less here. I don't know why it happens less here, but with the, the smaller church that I pastored, I would get people come in all the time. And they would walk up to me and they would start their conversation with me. Never met me before like this. Hi, Pastor Will, I'm a prophet. Now, I knew that things were going to be bad after that moment. But without fail, the next words out of their mouth, without fail, would always be this. And I just got to tell you, God sent me here today to let you know that he's just going to give you the biggest church ever. He's going to, like, that's even, like, something that, oh, wow, yay. Like, that's something that would make you happy if you were sad or whatever. I I don't know why they, it was always that. So it's like they come in and they feel like, oh, this guy's got a small church. need to go encourage him or something. Like, God didn't love the people who were here and wasn't happy with what was going on there. Inevitably, there would always be this great big ministry God was going to give me. And I, I, would, I would say, oh, okay. If I was feeling extra spicy that time, I'd say, well, I know that's not the Lord because you're the 17th prophet that said it and nothing's happened in 10 years. 
But now if someone predicts something, a prophet, someone who claims to speak for God or a dreamer of dreams, Numbers 12, 6, God said that he speaks through visions and dreams. So if somebody came in and it actually happened, I mean, that's different, right? That's not just somebody saying something. That's where you visibly see a a sign or a wonder, a miracle, something miraculous happened. You're going to go, ow, that's got to be God, right? When we talk about God speaking through visions or dreams, could God still do that? Or does God still do that? Well, sure. Although it's rare, we do have examples of both visions and dreams in the New Testament where God would warn someone in a dream or he would speak to someone through a vision. Even though that's true, God's word should be of much more value to us. Look at chapter 23 in Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I fully believe, was living in times that are similar to our our times here in, in the Western church. Everybody's a prophet. Everybody's got some vision or dream, something to say. In Jeremiah's day, the big thing was the burden of the Lord. They would say, oh, I got a burden from God. And, and finally, God just got so fed up with it. He said, you know, I don't want, no, none of my prophets are allowed to use the word burden anymore. He goes, because I don't put burdens on anybody. My yoke is easy and my burden's light. I don't put burdens on anybody. Because they would carry it around. Oh, God's giving me this heavy burden. You know, he's got to put this call upon my life. And he said, I don't do that. And so Jeremiah in chapter 23, verses 28 and 29, the Lord says, the prophet that has a dream, let him tell a dream. He that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. For what is the chaff to the wheat? Isn't that interesting? See, Jeremiah, he didn't really get a whole lot of that kind of stuff. Jeremiah didn't do really any miracles that we're aware of in the scripture. There's a few interesting things that happened to him, but he's not this miraculous prophet. He's actually a priest that God called to be a prophet. And as he's preaching, he's just sharing the word of God. And a lot of his sermons are the same thing, saying it over and over again because the nation's not listening. The kings that he's preaching to aren't listening. And so I imagine there's probably times Jeremiah's like, man, I'd love to just be able to like whack somebody on the head and turn them into a toad or something and go, now, now you listen up. I'm sure he probably thought, Lord, my ministry doesn't seem to have much power to it. But a lot of people didn't listen to him, so it's not like he saw a lot of results. Imagine he probably wondered, Lord, I wish I could be like this guy, have a dream and you're like, whoa, predict the future, whoa, and it happens. The Lord told him, he said, he that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. And then he compares the dream to his word. What's the chaff to the wheat? There's a difference. Is not my word like a fire, Jeremiah, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Ha, that sounds cool, right? But that's the way God's word works. It breaks up our hearts when they're hard. It's like a fire. It burns away things that don't belong in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives. God's word should be of much more value to us. How do you know someone's really had a vision or a dream from God? Well, simple. It comes to pass. Real simple. It just, if it happens, then you know it's the Lord. If it doesn't happen, then it's not the Lord. What I find the way that modern day prophets like to get around it is they speak in such vague terms that you can't test it. Somebody out there has a, has a, there's a, there's something wrong inside that nobody can see. Or they'll pick some weird thing. And if that's you, come claim your healing. And then, you know, everybody raises their hand. They're like, I got something wrong inside me. I don't know what it is. But they're not verifiable. If a prophecy or a vision or a dream is so vague that there's no clear way to measure its validity, then it's not God. Because God isn't the author of confusion. He doesn't leave you confused. He leaves an impact when he does something like that. He confirms his word through signs and wonders. So when he's working that way, it can be verified. It can be validated. Let's say that happens then. Someone predicts the future because of a vision or a dream, or they heal somebody of a sickness that's verified, or they do some miracle that you saw with your own eyes. You said, well, that means it's from God, right? Well, no, hold on. I said it's simple, but does that automatically mean they're from God? No, not at all. 
we must also check the content of their message. Look at verse 2. He says here, there rise this prophet or dreamer, and they give you a sign or wonder. They do something miraculous. And the sign or wonder come to pass whereof he spoke unto you, saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. Then verse 3, he says, you shall not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Don't listen to them. If someone predicts the future or they do a miracle, we must check the content of their message. And if their message is opposite to what the scriptures teach, then they are not from God. There was a local minister here who was very big. He was on TV. He knocked people over, did all sorts of crazy things, and he was considered a miracle worker. And frequently when I would bring up to people, I go, that guy's a false prophet or that guy's a heretic. Be like, how can you say that? He's doing miracles in the name of Jesus. It has to be God. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be God. If he is teaching things that are unbiblical, then it doesn't matter what miracles he might do. He is a false prophet. He is a heretic. He is a false teacher. And you should not listen to him. The Lord says, he goes, if that's the case, he says, you shall not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. Even if what they're doing, the miracle they're doing is helpful to someone. It doesn't matter. We don't listen to them. Why is it important that we ignore false prophets? Because those who genuinely love God first would never entertain the idea of following other gods or any hero out there that would do something big and miraculous that would tell us to follow other gods. Look at the end of verse 3. For the Lord your God proves you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The phrase there, it means is proving you. He's attempting to learn the true nature of your love. Now, God, of course, knows the true nature of our love, right? He's not the one learning anything. Who's the one learning something? Us, right? It teaches us the true nature of our love. Do you know what I found when a church goes bad is the hardest thing for people to do? The hardest thing for someone to do when a church goes bad, and I'm not talking about a church has some problems. I'm talking false teachers are coming in. The doctrine is awful, and it's just not a safe place anymore. It's not a place where the scriptures are being taught. I have found that people will stay there for years and years and years because they'll say, yeah, but that pastor, I got saved under his ministry. You know, there was a miracle that happened. And the pastor or the hero or the, you know, the lay leader or the worship leader, somebody who ministered to him there did something that was so impactful in their life that instead of thanking God for that and being loyal to the Lord, they stick with that individual who's, who's leading them astray. And that's the situation here that God is saying, that's not good. We need to love him more than anyone who's impacted our lives. It's interesting. You say, well, so does God send false prophets and false dreamers and people like that? No, God doesn't tempt any person with evil, but he does test us by allowing us to go through these challenges. So God allows false prophets to exist. He doesn't stop them from doing their thing. How we respond to them, though, shows whether we love God supremely or not. How should Israel respond to a false prophet? You're going to hear me say this a lot tonight because everything comes in twos in this chapter. Two ways they respond. Number one, verse four. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and you shall cleave to him. So first, they need to rededicate themselves to loving God with everything that's in them. That will result in the behavior listed here. So if you ever come in contact with a false prophet, you ever come into somebody here that's speaking things that aren't true, the first thing you need to do is you need to rededicate yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, I follow you first. I follow you first. I remember there was a time when 
Some weird things were going on in Calvary Chapel. I'd been a pastor for maybe, I don't know, four or five years. Things just started getting weird in, in one section. And some of us were kind of wondering, what's going on with Calvary? You know, is, is this thing changing or whatever? And I thought, I know Pastor Chuck wouldn't want to be part of that. I remember I called up Gibb and I talked to him about it. And, and I said, what do you think about this? And he goes, well, what happens happens, but we're going to follow the Lord. And I said, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> you know? Because that's the right answer. It doesn't matter. If our, if our heroes go a different direction, we follow Jesus. Because He's the one we love first. So when you encounter a situation like that, you have to get yourself straight first before you can do anything else. Once they'd gotten their self right so that they would behave the right way, they'd fear God and keep his commandments and obey his voice and serve him and cleave to him, cling to him with everything in them, then the second thing, verse five, and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage. He's spoken to thrust you out of the way which the Lord your God has commanded you to walk in. So put him to death, so shall you put the evil away from the midst of you. So we are going to be hitting a few churches tonight afterwards. I'm joking, totally joking. Idolatry, you must remember, is a capital crime in Israel because God was their ruler. They were not like the United States or any other nation out there. He was their ruler, and this was a capital crime. Now, why does God deal with idolatry so heavily? Because idolatry is a lie designed to harm you. That's why. Notice here a couple things that it mentions. He has spoken, this lie, to turn you away from the Lord your God. The word there, turn you away, means to make you hostile or rebellious towards God. And if they grew hostile and rebellious towards God, God would have to remove his blessing from them. See, God's blessing required Israel's obedience. So if they grew hostile toward the Lord and they chose to disobey his commandments, then they would experience misery. So that lie was designed for their harm. But that lie was also designed to leave them empty. Notice here it says that they will turn your heart away from the Lord your God. And then it tells what God had done for them. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Who redeemed you out of the house of bondage. Let me ask you a question. Did any of Egypt's gods stick up for Israel when they were slaves there? No. How about any of the other gods in that region? Did any of them come and rescue Israel? Nope. So why would they think these gods would be good to them now? God's the one who rescued them. Jehovah was the one that redeemed them from Egypt and rescued them from their slavery. And these false teachers, they want to thrust them out of the way which God commanded them to walk in. They want to seduce them to go a different direction. False prophets promise much, but they don't deliver, do they? They always leave you empty. I always say that people go, well, you know, yeah, I guess they're just doing that over there, you know, but we should never talk about that, you know, from the pulpit. You know, I don't talk about just the church down the street we, we might have a disagreement with on you know, some minor doctrine. That's not the case. In non-essentials, we have liberty. And praise the Lord for all the churches around here that do things a little differently and love Jesus and love his word. We need him. I can't reach everybody in our community. You can't reach everybody in our community. We need those folks. They're, they're our brothers and sisters. But when it comes to essentials, I'm gonna name names. I'm gonna call it out because we need to be aware so we are not deceived and seduced and tricked because false prophets leave a wake of destruction behind them. Every time you see this stuff come through and everybody's all hyped up, God's doing things, man. You gotta go to this place. You gotta go to this place. God's doing awesome things. The Spirit's here. You know what you need to do? Go there in five years. Go there in 10 years and look at all the lives that it destroyed because of the wake of destruction that that prophet left behind him. False prophets promise much, but they don't deliver. 
They use people for personal gain, whether it's for their financial gain or to just stroke their ego. Either way, there are those out there that just like to control. So Israel couldn't just ignore them. They had to deal with them so that no one would miss God's blessings. They had to put the evil away from them. That's how Israel was to deal with that. Do we have false prophets today? Oh yeah, we got plenty of them. Second Peter chapter two, Peter writing just before he dies, he warns the church about false prophets. In fact, much of this book is about false teachers. He says in Second Peter 2 verse 1, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you. And he explains what they do. They privately bring in destructive heresies. Yet it's interesting. False prophets don't come in and go, hey, Pastor Will, I'd love to sit down and talk with you about this idea I've got. You know what they do? They find the newer believers in the church. They find isolated believers and they go, they go and they find them and they isolate them. They pull them apart and say, hey, I've got a word for you. I've got a private word for you. And they start doing it with people that the pastor doesn't have much contact with or leaders don't have much contact with because then they have control over that individual. They feel like they have influence in their life. Those are the folks who split churches. They come in and divide. They come in secretly, privately. Peter goes on to say, even bringing in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. And it says, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth will be evil spoken of. How many times is Christianity evil spoken of today because of false prophets? All the time. And it's not just today. It's been that way throughout history. Peter says, and through covetousness, they're greedy for gain. Shall they with feigned words, empty words, idle words, worthless words, they make merchandise of you. They turn you into wares, trophies, things to sell at their store to make a profit off of. Listen, don't become merchandise. Jesus is a way better hero than anybody else. I don't care how good they've been to you. I don't care how much they've done for you. Now, are we supposed to put false prophets to death? No, please do not ever do that. We are not a nation like Israel. <laughs> Shouldn't have to say that, but please don't do that. We are not a nation like Israel, okay? We, we don't need to go and scream at churches or, or at people. We don't need to do any of those things, all right? We don't need to go defame someone on, on Facebook. We don't need to do any of those things. That's not what we need to do. We just need to speak the truth in love. We'll get to it in a minute. We're not a nation like Israel, so what are we supposed to do? Well, Titus 3, verses 10 and 11 tells us how we handle false prophets. Paul's instructing Titus, a young pastor, about how to handle this, but it applies to all of us. Titus 3.10, he says, a man that is a heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject. So where do we start? First, you pull the person aside. I'm so glad. I had lots of wrong ideas about God and meant well. I'm glad somebody pulled me aside and said, hey, Will, you're wrong. You're wrong. I mean, I know you got this idea, but it's not biblical. I'm glad for the people all throughout my life who've pulled me aside and said, hey, I had one time as a pastor, I said something, and somebody pulled me aside and said, Pastor Will, have you ever thought about what the scripture says here and what you said this morning? I said, I I don't think I have. And they said, you know, I don't think it lines up right. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. I think I, I think I messed up today. The very next Sunday, I came out and said, guys, I messed up. I said this last week, and it's not right. And then I went through the scriptures and explained how it wasn't right and what was right. I'm so glad for that. I'm glad somebody just didn't just stand up in the middle of the service and go, false prophet, stone him. Let's vote with our feet, Calvary Chapel people. That's not Calvary Chapel teaching. I'm glad they didn't do any of that. God, somebody pulled me aside. Man, you need to do it a couple times. Or you say, oh, no, you're a little off there, bro, and, and explain to them. But the idea is if they're not listening to those admonitions, then you reject them. 
okay? Then you have to at some point go, listen, I love you, but I can't let you just spew this stuff here. I'm not going to allow you to do that in, the, in this setting because you're deceiving people by things that are not true. Knowing at that point, because he's rejected admonition or she's rejected admonition, because you know at that point that such is subverted. That verse means they, they're warped in their thinking. They're stubborn. They're sinning. They're rebelling against God because they refuse to bring their thoughts and their doctrine into obedience to the scripture, being condemned of themselves. Look at Romans 16 with me. So you pull them aside, and if they won't listen over time, a couple times for that, you got to confront them and you got to re- you got to reject them. Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. Again, this is someone who's being subversive in the church, someone who's whispering, trying to spread their ideas contrary to what the leadership of the church is teaching. Now I beseech you, brethren, Romans 16, 17, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. They've got their own agenda, trying to build their own kingdom. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple, the naive. They're never going to go to, to someone who's an experienced believer and, and spread that garbage. They wouldn't do that because the experienced believer is going to go, the Bible doesn't say that. That's wrong. Our church doesn't believe that. That's, that's wrong. They're going to go find someone who's new in the faith, someone who's maybe struggling in their faith, and they're going to try to control them. That person, he says, mark them, point them out, and have nothing to do with them. I have had people over the years that I've had to say, listen, you won't listen to me as your pastor. I've confronted you on multiple occasions about the things you're telling other people here that are not biblically right and correct, and you won't stop. And because of that, I need to ask you to find another church because I'm not going to let you do that here. I'm not going to let you hurt people here. Now, we don't go through that process quickly or easily, but with someone, eventually you have to mark them out, and you have to tell the church and say, listen... That person's not here anymore. Hey, where's so-and-so been? I asked them to leave. They've been spreading false doctrine. Most of us probably don't run into too many of those people. But movie stars and athletes, political leaders, even Christian leaders can become false prophets. Maybe they don't do miracles, but they stand up for good things or they're generous to those in need and we can fall in love with them for those things to such a degree that we change God's standards or embrace evil thinking or seek to have our love for God coexist with our love for them. And none of that is okay. I must love Jesus more than any hero, anyone who has impacted my life. And can I say something to you, church? That means you can't be their cheerleader either. That means you can't be their cheerleader either because then people associate our perfect Jesus with things that are anti-Jesus. And it sends a confusing, wrong message. It confuses the gospel and it turns people off before we get a word in of the real good news. Now, you might be saying, well, Pastor Will, that standard's impossible. Everybody's got flaws. Everybody's got something wrong with them. You're right. Well, then I can't support anybody. You're right. Where in the Scripture does it say you're supposed to prop up people or be their spokesperson? Who are we supposed to be propping up? Who who are we spokespersons for? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. You don't need to prop anybody else up. This is also why the Word warns us not to be ambitious for leadership. Because whether you're a pop star, a radio show host, the minute you begin to say, this is truth, you are held to a greater standard. You are held to a higher standard. So you better line up with the Lord. You better line up with the Lord. And if you blow it, then you need to publicly say you blew it. And you need to fix it publicly. In our culture, it is celebrated to share every opinion that's on your mind and do it publicly. That is not a character trait that the Bible admires. Humility in both attitude and opinion is what the Bible values. 
So what are you saying, Pastor Will? Are you saying we should never stand up for the truth? There's a vast difference between truth and opinion. A vast difference. Now, when God is clear about something in his word, we plant our flag, we speak the truth, and we do so in love and humility, and we don't move, ever. But when it's our opinion, we need to be so careful and so humble in our approach to it. There is to be nothing greater in our lives than God. He wants priority in our lives because he deserves priority. If we idolize people and what they think over what God says in his word, we are enslaving ourselves to that person or thought. God can give us true freedom to be who he made us to be. As we draw closer into a relationship with him, people will fail us. Ideas will change and fade. Even our heroes and family will fail us and forsake us one day. But God never fails. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.